0: I appreciate those individuals that will get before God and say, hey, God, renew me. Listen, I know I'm not what I should be, but I thank God you can make me to what you would have for me to be. And when you humble yourself like we talked about earlier and allow God to mold you like he wants to do that, it's renewed. It's changing from that old into something that is new or a newer version of you.
1: You're now in tune to the Heaven Bound broadcast with Pastor Richard D. Dobbs of Overcomers Christian Center in Villarica, Georgia. Now prepare to be empowered and equipped with the rich word of God.
2: We, again, we're going back to in me a clean heart, oh God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. We want to say good morning to everyone. Welcome to our marriage and family day. We've set aside this time to minister to married couples, singles, um, grandparents, guardians, it it doesn't matter if you divorce, widow, head of household, step parents, somewhere along the line, we believe that the word of the Lord is here for you today. I thank God for um, the Lord just staring in our hearts just to speak to us to encourage marriage and families in this hour. And so as we Prepare our hearts to receive the word. We just thank God for this day. We thank God for the man of God, and we are grateful for his word.
0: You know, when Jesus spoke about his family, it kind of had a different undertone to it. Let me show what I'm talking about. Go with me to the book of Matthew, chapter 12, verses 48 through 50. The book of Matthew, chapter 12, verse 48 through 50. Now, as you're getting that, think about this. This may not be your idea of what a family would be, but this is how Jesus defined the family according to the word of God. And we see here in Matthew 12, 48 through 50, which reads as follows. But he answered, but he answered and said to one who told him, who is my mother and who are my brother's? And he stretched out his hand. Can you imagine Jesus stretching out his hand toward his disciples and said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Notice how Jesus clarified that. For whoever does The will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Whoever does, whoever prepares and produces, not their will, but his will, his commands, his desires, is my brother and my sister and my mother.
2: Now that's powerful. Because for many of us, if we were the natural brother, sister, a, a mother of Jesus, and He didn't claim us, and we knew we were natural blood relatives. We might get in our feelings. We might look at Jesus and say, "Now wait, I, I, but I'm family. What what is that?" But He clarified. He said that you will know my brother, my family, by knowing those who do the will, those who prepare their hearts and minds to do the will of the Father. And and in my opinion, God's desire is that we all get saved. He wants us to become members of the spiritual family that lives with him eternally, not just related, the natural birth. Many of us know John 3 and 16, for it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And we know God's ultimate desire for us is that we have salvation, that we have deliverance, that we experience protection, and that we experience prosperity. And so he's not limited us to the natural relationship, but he wants that spiritual relationship.
0: Amen. And we want our spouses saved, our children saved, our parents saved, our siblings saved, our cousins saved, our aunties saved, right. our uncle, saved. We want everyone saved, That's not right. just in church, but experience his deliverance, his protection, and his prosperity. We want to choose the will of God first in our life. You know, seek ye first the kingdom of God, and then all these things shall be added to you. We want his will to be done first. So again, scriptures like Matthew 12 and 50, whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and my sister and my mother. Every day we strive for that. Every day we seek God first. Every day we seek to do his will. It's a daily thing with Individually as well as collectively, we're busy preparing and striving to produce the will of the Father. So in turn, we can think, talk, and say what he has for us to do. Our goal is to strive to manifest what is written. Remember what Jesus said? It is written. We want to live by it. That's our motto for life. It's in the 66 books. It is written written, rightly dividing the word of truth.
2: Amen. And as Christian parents, we want to train up our children in the way they should go and, and understanding the fact that they are free moral agents. At some point in time, they have to make the choice. So as parents, it's easier when they're running around us. It's easier when they, you know, are in under our roof, but we want to believe God for wisdom, for prayer and for grace that no matter where they are, they will choose Jesus. They won't just come to church. They won't just pray and study the word and give, but their choice is, I desire to be saved. I know him as my personal savior. I know him to deliver me out of situation. I know how God has protected my soul. I know how God causes me to prosper even when other people try and hinder my prosperity. And so as, as parents, we have to pray and we have to trust God that the same salvation that is in us that will be carried on down generations and generations. Why is that true?
0: Because family is important. Mm -hmm. We need our family and our family needs us. We know that in some cases, in many cases, family will love us unconditionally even though they may not agree with our thinking, talking, actions, or Mm decision-making. Remember what Jesus said. Jesus said, hey, it's three in a household, it'll be two against one. Five in a household, three against two. But see, when we understand that, we understand the love of God. The love of God supersedes what our family may think about us. See, loving the unlovable, regardless of who they are, requires the knowledge of God, and it requires us to mature in the word of God. We're, it requires us to grow up. They're they doing something funny. No, I got to grow up and think like Christ. Therefore, I'm grateful that Jesus is our greatest and best example. He's teaching us and he will continue to teach us how to love, support, forgive, and move forward with our parents, grandparents, children, siblings, nieces, nephews, aunts, uncles, cousins, and so forth, even during difficult time because sooner or later family going to do something that you're going to say Lord I, I hold that knot against them I hold that not against them
2: and we have to agree families go through things is that your testimony from time to time again families have experienced things and sometimes we can do things indirectly or directly that can create situations that impact our families And we can make a family member, uh, uh, we can make financial decisions, we can make um, job decisions, we can make relationship choices that many times will impact not only us, but it impacts our families. Sometimes it makes things better, right? And sometimes it makes things not so good. But needless to say, we're still families. Families will go through things, and it takes God's anointing on our lives, His power, His consecrated gifts to bring forth that word that we need that is tailored to us to help us overcome situations and circumstances. The anointed of God is here to help our families.
0: And see, in our opinion, families will experience turbulent times. Mm -hmm. They're going to experience conflict. They're going to experience tough times as well as rough times. So when turbulent times come, it brings about chaos. It brings about confusion. It brings about disorder, disrupting the peace and harmony in the family. So therefore, family needs to understand when turbulent times come, when marriage conflict comes, when children resist acting and act contrary to the word of God and to the ways of God. When health crisis comes, when substance abuse comes, when domestic abuse comes, when broken or misplaced trust comes, caring for others uh, can be sometimes a challenge. Separation happens in families. Divorce happens in families. Even death of a loved one can happen in family. Families go through things. Sometimes not so pleasant things. But because we're, understand this, we are free moral agents. People can choose to do what they want to do. They make choices that sometimes impact us, mm-hmm. but also impact the ones that are around them. I've been around family members long enough to know that sometimes, oh, I thought about this. Let me, let me share this with you. I had a quick example. When I did prison ministry, I thought about the number of people who told me how them being in prison impact, impacted their family. That was just real talk to me. That was just real talk, real talk. Understand that it impacts us. And see, parents, oh gosh, sometimes parents can make choices that impact their children. Mm-hmm. They impact the children, and, and and it's sad they don't even recognize it sometimes at the beginning, and then later on they want you to say a quick prayer. To correct all the stuff that um, took place over the years. Well, y'all know how that worked. Spouses can make choices that create situations of stress, anxiety for their spouse. Sometimes spending money in ways that cause anxiety in the family. Children can make choices that hurt and cause heartache and headaches for their parents. Siblings can say mean and hateful things that hurt each other.
2: It is during those unstable and unsettling times that families may feel as though they're at a breaking point. What am I saying that is too much pressure? I can't take it anymore. But I caution you to say, could it be that the breaking points in our lives are there to help us turn to God? For the blessings and the benefits. See, only God's wisdom and his words can turn what Deem as a breaking point into a blessing. Just when we're ready to give up and give in, God will send a word. Just when we're ready to say, you know what, Lord, I can't take this, I can't deal with this anymore. I'm worn out. But we'll get a word like Luke 22 and 42 that says. At the latter part of that, Father, not my will, but your will be done. Just when we feel like we've cried our last tear, we're like, you know what? I, I, I don't even know what to think anymore. I'm so hurt. I'm so broken. But then Psalms 30 and 5 will come in our spirit where it says, weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. And I don't know about you, but if you've been that mom, if you've been that daddy, if you've been that child that have been shedding tears because of things that's happening around you, it's encouraging when you can, the Holy Ghost will pull that scripture up. It's like, you may shed tears right now, but always know that joy comes in the morning. And even sometimes as families, we may deal with stresses and we may deal with worry and we may deal with frustration but we can call on first peter five and seven where it says casting all your cares upon him for he cares for you we gotta know how to release things to god we gotta know how to throw things to god and sometimes we gotta ask the power of the holy spirit god give me power to release this situation over to you, and God help me to trust you to be faithful to your word. At times we feel like giving up and giving in, and Luke eighteen and one reminds us that we ought to always pray and not to give in, not to give up. And 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 it sounds good when we hear it in the sanctuary. But we got to know that when it seems like we're just going back and forth and back and forth. And we like, but I know they know better. But I know he knows that I love him. But I I know that, you know, I'm I'm watching this sickness and disease. I I see what's happening, but I got to keep praying. Got to keep trusting. We know that God is faithful to his word, and I have to keep involving God in the situation.
0: And when we involve, involve God in the situation, that means I must decrease so he can increase. Mm. I must decrease so he can increase. And at times we have to allow God's word to deflate things in our lives. What I mean by deflate? It cause it to move from a higher place to a lower level. Things that were once big in my life. I must allow the word of God to deflate it so in turn it can be under my foot as Jesus put one particular situation. Deflate fear, deflate anxiety, deflate worry. These things can be big, but you can cast them down. Cast down everything that is off itself against the knowledge of God. Deflate thoughts of oppression, depression, low self-worth and so forth. See, things, people, and friendships will try to have a high influence in our life. They'll try to be more more of a God than God is in our life. They'll think their opinion is so great and so wonderful that we should listen to and just drop everything else and just listen to what they got to say. But how many know God has got a better thought, a better mindset, a better opinion, a better, he's just better. He is just better. Limited people give you limited information, but God knows everything and knows how to give you the best information. Therefore, we got to deflate it and and deflate means I must humble myself, Mm -hmm. must humble myself under the mighty hand of God. And see, in my opinion, a family at the breaking point is a family of humility. They have made the choice. Notice this. They have made the choice to humble themselves. Nobody's making them, but they have made the choice to humble themselves. The family, individual, and collectively, are developing a greater understanding of First Peter, chapter five, verse six and verse seven.
2: Turn in your Bibles, please, to First Peter, chapter five, verse six through seven. Deflate, humility, bringing something that's higher or deem itself higher than what it should be. 1 Peter 5, 6, and 7, the word of the Lord says, Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. There's something about when things get uh, elevated, when things are not deflated as they should, when things are inflated in our lives. The Bible doesn't tell the pastor to do it. He doesn't say he's going to do it. He says humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. And then he goes on to say, casting all your care upon him for he cares for you. You know, sometimes we'll try to run with verse 7, but we have to really go back to verse 6 and make sure that we have humbled ourselves, that we have deflated ourselves to the point that God is able to be the final authority in our lives.
0: Amen. And when God's the final authority, when God says whatever he says, that's what it's going to be. Amen. That's where it's going to be. And we may deal with all types of things in life, but deep down, we know that God has the final say so. Yet, sometimes people just don't quite get the point. The breaking point The breaking point. There's a difference between a broken family and a family at the breaking point. The breaking point is a place of change. Mm -hmm. And change is not change until you change. The breaking point is a place of new life, restoration, and healing. And thank God, God is a healer. If you don't mind, go with me to the book of Psalms 51 and verse 10. Psalms 51 and verse 10.
2: And while he's getting that, we're going to ask Mr. Wendell to bring our display out. Psalms 51 and verse 10. And it reads, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. In looking at Psalms 51 and 10, David is asking God to work with his thinking, work with his mindset. His emotions are off. He, he, he's, uh, he's, his emotions are somewhat all over the place, if you will. Because, you know, when we deal with our heart, we deal with the, uh, our emotions, our passions, our desires. But David is asking God, he says, to create in me... A clean and pure heart. In other words, at times when my emotions are not where they should be, it affects my ability to understand things. You ever seen a person that's real emotional and they're just all in their feelings and you're trying to talk to them and you, it's like you, you're not making sense. It's, it, it's, it's like you're just talking to a wall because they're so hyped up in their emotions But David understood that if I don't get my emotions together, it's going to affect my spirit. And many times things affect our spirit because our heart is not as clean, as pure as what God would desire it to be. In other words, we're not asking God to make us flawless, but what we're asking God is to create in me a clean heart. Give me a heart, God, that's acceptable to you, a heart of humility, a heart that will say, God, I missed that one. God, I have strayed. God, I've gotten off track. What God wants to see, are we going to ask for that clean and pure heart Mm. and that renewed spirit? And, and I was thinking in terms of create, create has to do with being able to shape things and to birth things and to form things. And as we were studying, one thing came to me, and I'm sure that many of you can relate to this from our childhood, and some of you may have some of this laying around your house right now, and that good old-fashioned Play-Doh. And we know that Play-Doh is something that you can shape, something that you can mold, something that you can kind of... Wherever you want it to go, generally, play will go that, that way. But it depends on the play Because there is Play-Doh that sometimes, you know, the kids will leave the top off. And it would get hard and crumbly. Yeah, that Play-Doh, it's, it's going to break up. Now, I'm telling you, I was working. We done left this play out. We said, nah, this got to be crumbly right here. Because sometimes we lead the anointing. Sometimes we lead the word. Sometimes we get out of the will of God. We say we hear God. We say we love God. But we ain't trying to hear that word. We ain't trying to get things right with God. We're trying to keep on that same, that same pace. But when we're asking God to create in us a clean and a pure heart, we got to make sure that our heart is at the place that God can use, that he can mold it. See, when it's out there, yeah, some of everything is influencing. Man, we left this out in the, in the car. We put it in the bag. We took the top off of it. But the interesting thing about Play-Doh is when we got the Play-Doh, it was all wrapped up. I said, babe, I can't hardly open this. You know how the Holy Ghost will seal our faith? You know how the word will keep us protected and covered? It's one thing about the content of this. When it's protected and covered, it's moldable. So I, I, I opened this one because I wanted us to be able to see the example. And I'm telling you, when I say it's sealed, it's sealed. But when we're asking God, this one right here, it is very warm. It's very moldable. Lord, create in me a clean heart. Create in me, birth in me. God, I got some stuff in me. I got some anger and resentment on the inside of me. God, I know I got some unforgiveness. I got some manipulation, God. I got some jealousy and envy on the inside of me. But if the, the mindset of David was creating me a clean and a pure heart. In other words, my heart is here on the altar, God. It's here for you to work in me. And the latter part of that verse, Pastor. Pastor.
0: Creating me a clean heart. And I like the latter part of that verse, renew. 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 Renew, Renew. redo. Something that was old, redo it again. Thank God he knows how to do it again. But this time, it's going to be better than what it was the first time. Only God could do something like that. Renew, and, and, I, and I appreciate those individuals that will get before God and say, hey, God, renew me, God. Listen, I know I'm not what I should be, but I thank God you can make me to what you would have for me to be. And when you humble yourself, like we talked about earlier, and allow God to mold you like he wants to do that, it's renewing. It's changing from that old into something that is new or a newer version of you. Taking out the old and bringing in the new. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become what? New.
2: You know, I like what David said, because he said, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. In other words, you're going to renew me, but I was once established in the way. I was once established in God. I was once fixed in that place that God was blessing me, that I was hearing from him, that I was serving him, that I was worshiping him. But David said, somewhere along the way, I got off track. So I asked God to create in me a clean and a pure heart, but he goes on to say, as you mentioned, renew a steadfast spirit within me. God, I want to get back to the place where I'm on fire for you. I want to get back to the place where my worship means something. I want to get back to the place that when I give, God, I believe you're going to give back to me good measure, press down, shake it together, run it over. I want to get back to the place, God, that my witness isn't tainted, God, that I love you and I know that you can bring me back to that place. Because remember, David is the one that we read about many of the Psalms. David is the one who was a man after God's heart. But David had gotten off track. And we're going to see in the scripture where David had gotten off track.
0: Psalms 50, Let's also go down to Psalms 51 and verse 17. Psalms 51 and 17. Let me read it to you first before we discuss it. Psalms 51 and 17. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, Mm. a broken and a contrite heart. These, oh God, you will not despise. Notice the sacrifices. Sacrifices is the act of surrendering. Offering of something precious or valuable. And one thing I've learned, your heart, you are the greatest sacrifice you can give to God. Now, I could give up a lot of different things, but me giving my will over to his is one of the greatest sacrifice I can give. And really, I come out better than I did if I kept it on my own. Mm, Thank you, Lord, for doing that for me. But notice what he says, the sacrifice of God or a broken spirit. Mm. Notice this shatter. It's wrecked. It's wrecked. I, I'm, not, I'm going in one way, but I'm coming out. He's breaking me up. Because why? He could put me back together again. Mm. Oh, thank God. And, and, I, and I've seen God put us back together again. Listen, you can be saved for a number of years and God still has to put you back together again. You can be saved for six months and God has to put you back together again. You can be saved for eight, 18 years and God has to put you back together again. But I appreciate that part because when you do this, a, a broken and a contrite, notice this, crust to pieces, collapse heart, these, oh God, you will not despise and one of the things I thought about this, if I, got, you know, I thought about, it. if we give our heart over to God and let Him mold it the way He does, what He way He wants to do it, I, I like what Jesus said, "Not my will, but Your will be done." If you do it like that, God, I, I may not always understand everything You're doing. I may not always necessarily agree. You're making me a different person. You know, sometimes we get caught up in because God changes our personality, our mindset. He changes, you know, we used to be, we wouldn't let nobody do this to us. But now we just do, we're helping folks, we're loving on folks. And we're just almost like out of care, not the person we used to be. Why? Because God is changing our heart. He's changing our heart. And I love the fact that he changes our heart. And some of us, we know we are not the same person we were five years ago. You know God be changing our heart. And knows he ain't finished yet.
2: But you know what's powerful that is that when the Holy Ghost comes in us, and I guess it's just having a, that, a greater understanding, we're asking the Lord to bring his nature in us. For, so for us to remain the same, that means he, he, he's not that powerful. But when we ask the Lord to fill us with his spirit, when we ask him to be led by the anointing, when we ask him for the yoke, uh, the burden, removal, yoke destroyer to be a part of our lives and that we operate in it, we should expect change to happen in our lives. The question is, do we really want the anointing? The question is, do we really want to be spirit-led? Are we comfortable being uh, myself-led, my friends-led? my job led. We have to ask ourselves the, the tough questions because it's easier to go through the motion but when we really want change in our lives we have to have that humble heart. Turn me very quickly to Isaiah 57, 15 and 16. I hadn't forgot about David. I'm about to show you David in a way you're going to be like I can't believe that is in the Bible. That must be on uh, TLC. That must be uh, something uh, on some kind of uh, uh, own or something. I just can't believe that this is in the Bible. I'm going to show You in a few minutes, but Isaiah 57 15 through 16, and it reads For thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. understand that he's the high and lofty one. He inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. We serve a holy God. I dwell in the high and holy place with him. Notice who, who, who's going to join him, who has a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. Verse 16, for I will not contend forever, nor will I always be angry, for the spirit would fail before me and the souls which I have made. God wants us to have a humble heart. And David knew that. He knew that. But when we read Psalms 51, we're like, now, David, David, how did you get to this place? How did you get to this place that you're pleading with God to create in you a clean and a pure heart and renew a steadfast spirit? David, aren't you in the lineage of Jesus? David, aren't you the man after God's own heart? David, aren't you a worshiper? Aren't you a praiser? Aren't you a man of valor? But David, what did you do? Because sometimes we don't realize as well as what we do for God, it's easy to get off track. David got off track. David got so far off track, we'll get a greater appreciation of Psalms 51. Let's go to 2 Samuel. Samuel. Thank you, Pastor.
0: 2 Samuel chapter 11. 2 Samuel chapter 11.
2: This is a family not just at the breaking point, but this family is going to end up being broken. See, we don't want to get to the broken family. We want to be the family at the breaking point. The family that says, hey, I know I need to turn. I know I need to make a change. I know that I need to see my children delivered. I need they need to be protected, God. They need to be prospering. God, I know I need my siblings. God, I need them, I need them delivered, God. I don't need them keep dibbling and dabbling in this, that, and the other. God, I need them delivered. But then, God, I need you to protect them. Protect them for what you're delivering from God. And God caused them to prosper. I know the world said they wouldn't go prosper, but I trust you for that. Mm-hmm. David. I tell you about David. I'm going to start. And it happened. This Psalms, um, 2 Samuel 11 and 1. It happened in the spring of the year at the time when kings go out to battle. Now, you remember David is a king. That David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel, and they destroyed the people of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But look at David. But David remained at Jerusalem. Now at this time, David was supposed to be out at battle, but was not. Sometimes the dilemma in our family is that we get out of our purpose, come on now, and get caught up and not where we God has intended for us to be. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It could be parents. We wander away. We know we need the word. We know we need to be praying. We know we need to get a rhema word. It could be a child. It could be a grandparent. It could be whomever. It could be a spouse. It, whomever. But David was supposed to be somewhere, but he, he at home. Let's look at verse two, because sometimes you don't need to stay at home. Tell your neighbor, don't stay at home all the way now. I'm trying to tell you now. Verse 2. Then it happened one evening that David arose from his bed and walked on the roof of the king's house. And from the roof he saw a woman bathing, and the woman was very beautiful to behold. See, he should have been, been at war. So David sent Ammon and inquired about the woman. And someone said, is this not Bathsheba, Bathsheba the daughter of Eliam? Listen, the wife of Uriah, the Hittite, then David sent messengers and took her. And she came to him, and he laid with her. I said, God, it did this say TLC. But she was cleansed from her impurity, and she returned to her house.
0: Let me show you something that I almost missed. That I want to share something real quickly. In verse 4, David sent messengers. So evidently, it wasn't the first message that got her attention. It might not have been the second message that got her attention. But that third or fourth message got her attention.
2: Be-sheba.
0: Be careful now when you start getting three or four messages Ooh, from somebody. Not three or four. I'm sorry. Let me get, <laughs> Let me move on.
2: You, you, you need to let them go. But it was missed opportunities for David. Mm-hmm. Because David was supposed to be on assignment.
0: Supposed to be. Mm-hmm.
2: And Bathsheba had opportunity. I don't know how many messages she got. She had opportunity to say no. Yes, some things and people must be a quick no, and we have to quickly remove ourselves. You know, some come say you just can't keep having. You like I know what is going. Nope, let me keep going. Y'all know what y'all know what I'm saying. When when somebody says, Oh, are you so and so and so happily married? He's the best. You know what that means? Quick no. We're not going no further than this conversation. Mm -hmm. Y'all say, y'all say all day, so y'all ain't using y'all quick no's because you would know about them. Some of us are engaged in conversation too long. Come on, Holy Ghost. Quick no. So what we're about to see is that this situation could have possibly been handled, but it went from bad to worse. Rather than being bigger and better, it went from bad to worse. 2 Samuel 6 through 10. Then David sent to Joab saying, send me Uriah the Hittite. And Joab sent Uriah to David. Now, 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 David, you done been with this man's wife. And now you finished trying to talk to him? What is you doing?
0: Don't forget now. He got her pregnant. What?
2: Yes. David, David, David. You done been with this man's wife. You done got her pregnant. And you calling for her husband. Okay, let's see. Keep reading the scripture. Keep reading the scripture. When Uriah had come to him, David asked how Joab was doing. Look, trying to be friendly. Mm. And how the people were doing and how the war prospered. Look, trying to change the subject. Now, he know what he done did. Okay, okay, I'm getting too excited. And David said to Uriah, go down to your house and wash your feet. So Uriah departed from the king's house, and a gift of food from the king followed him. Now he's sending Uriah gifts. ain't that some mess? Y'all, not TLC, give me another one. Bravo, come on, girl, this is it. But Uriah slept at the door of the king's house with all the servants of his lord. And did not go down to his house. So when they told David, saying Uriah did not go down to his house, David said to Uriah, did you not come from a journey? At like he concerned. Why did you not go down to your house? Mm-hmm. Pass talk to us a little bit.
0: Uh, the man did not go down to his house. Now, let me say something here that we need to. This didn't happen like this. David had time to repent, to get things right, to, listen, to listen, to get him, himself right, to get this situation right. But David missed all the warning signs from God. And notice this, he, he, now he's scheming. He's, he's t- he told a man, hey, you didn't go down to your house, but Uriah was loyal to the cause of God. Mm-hmm. He was loyal to the cause of God. Ural was caught up in his purpose to serve, not realizing that his household was in the midst of a turbulent time. That's powerful. Sometimes you got to realize what's going on in your own household. You got to realize what's happening in your own household. Don't be so caught up doing stuff and then missing out on what God is speaking to you about your own household. No, remember, the New Testament says, if man can't take care of his own household, he is worse than an infidel.
2: And you know, as spirit-led saints, we have to watch and pray. Because mm-hmm. the spirit is willing, but we got flesh. And that flesh is weak. We can be busy serving God, busy worshiping, busy giving, busy ministering. And the enemy is busy also. Busy talking to our our spouse busy trying to chat with our children busy trying to stir up stuff in our finances we we busy but we're not watching and praying and Uriah he was he was loyal but David went on and he set up what we might call a murder for high now he done been with the man's wife she pregnant he done called him back for war trying to trick him Acting like he cared about the war. He done sent him some food, but Uriah's like, mm I'm lawyer. Y'all no lawyer saints. Yeah, uh-uh, I'm lawyer. Uh-uh. You're not finna throw me off. I ain't worthy. I'm gonna stay right here at, 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 at the door. Let's keep reading the verse 11. And,
0: and, you, go and, ahead. and Uriah said to David, the ark and Israel and Judah and, and are dwelling in tents, and my Lord, Lord Joab and the servants of my Lord are in camp in the open fields. Shall I then go down to my house to eat and drink and lie with my wife? As you live, as your soul lives, I will not do this thing. Mm. Wow. He real lawyer. He more lawyer than a brother would be. I ain't going to lie to you. Then uh, David said to your right, wait here today also. And tomorrow I will let you depart. So Uriah, Uriah remained in Jerusalem that day and the next. Now, when David called him, he ate and drank before him, and he made him drunk. Got drunk with the boy. It was
2: a man. Remember the man after God's own heart? This man doing some stuff. Remember the one we read about the praises? Y'all know that yeah. he going to bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continue. This man had gotten off track. The king, you know, in the line of, in, 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 in Jesus' lineage. We're talking about David, right? Okay, go ahead.
0: And in the evening he went out to lie on his bed with the service of his Lord, but he did not go down to his house. And, it, and in the morning it happened that David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it by the hand of Uriah. And he wrote in the letter saying, Set Uriah in the forefront of the hottest battle and retreat from him that he may be struck down and die. Good, David Lucas. was... A ruthless, mean what? man. We he, he wanted to get you. I know, y'all know we're talking about the day we read about in Psalms and all that good stuff and and so forth. Well, but he far. repented now. Yeah, but I want to stand folks. Folks got looking to be saved. Folks, always, no matter where you are in life, we need Jesus.
2: And we need to stay with Jesus. Yes, sir. Because some of that stuff can be going on and we say we saved. And we're still doing some of these David numbers right here. Mm-hmm. So it was while Joab besieged the city that he assigned Uriah to a place where he knew there were valiant men. Look at verse 17. Then the men of the city came out and fought with Joab. And some of the people of the servants of David fell. And Uriah the Hittite died also. I said, Lord, David, David, David. He done should have been at the battle. Problem number one, he done been with this man's wife. She pregnant. He done tried to get him to go, and you know he was trying to sit. You know what he was trying to do. I ain't going to talk about it, but cheer downstairs, but you know what he was trying to do. He was going to make him believe he was the daddy. And Uriah said, uh-uh, I'm staying on course. I'm lawyer. Then David said, well, well here's some food. Ain't you tired? How the battle going? Uriah said, mm-mm, I'm staying on course. Then yeah, he going to tell his folk, put him out in the hottest battle. Woo-wee! And make sure he don't come back. That's David, a man out of God's own heart.
0: And only that Uriah get killed, but other men got killed as well. All because David was trying to cover up
2: something. He was trying to cover his tracks. You know how it is when we try to cover our tracks. One lie ain't good enough, you got to tell another one. You got to tell another one. You got to make up stuff. You be an to the lie. You forgot what you said. You know, you got, okay, sorry about that. Verse 18, then Joab sent and told David all the things concerning the war and charged the messenger, saying, when you have finished telling the matters of the war to the king, if it happens that the king's wrath rises and he says to you, why did you approach me so near to the city when you fought? Did you not know that they would shoot from the wall? He tried, to get his, he tried to get his story straight. See what I'm saying? Who struck Abimelech, the son of Jerusalem? Was it not a woman who cast a piece of millstone on him from the wall so that he died in the best? Why did you go near the wall? Did you shall say, your servant Uriah the Hittite is dead also. So the messenger went and came and told David all that Joab had said by him. And the messenger said to David, Surely the men prevailed against us and came out to us in the field. Then we drove them back as the far as the entrance of the gate. The archers shot from the wall at your servants, and some of the king's servants are dead. And your servant Uriah, the Hittite, is dead also. Mm, mm, mm. Verse twenty-five. Then David said to the messenger, "Thus you shall say to Joab: Do not let this thing displease you, mm, 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 for the sword devours one as well as another. Strengthen your attack against the city and overthrow it." Now he's gonna be the concerned leader, so encourage him. When the wife of Uriah heard that her that when the wife of Uriah heard that Uriah her husband was dead, she. She's like, what just happened? And you know she knows he was a good brother. Because his track record is that he was lawyer. He took care of that woman. Now she done got caught up with David. Lord and mercy. Pastor, talk a little bit about that. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> the family of Uriah was never the same. Why was they never the same?
0: One aspect behind that, you know that this family was broken by the decision of somebody else sad sad but one thing I want to go because for time's sake we need to get back and get back into this God saw everything he did not miss one step that was taking place in this situation but you also got to know that we're free moral agents. That God will let you do what you do. He will not stop you. you say, well, oh, why didn't God stop him? Because we're free moral agents.
2: But God we do you. have to pray for the Holy Ghost. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we think the Holy Ghost is just for speaking in tongues in church. We think the Holy Ghost is just to make us to feel good. But the Holy Ghost is power. And we need to make, have power to make good decisions. We need, we need to have power to be able to say no to things that we know that the Holy Ghost is telling us not to. See, the Holy Ghost is not just there for Sundays and not just for Wednesday nights, but we need the Spirit of God in our lives always so that we can have the wisdom, the strength, the courage. I mean, Beth needed some power. It was the king calling her. I know she knew she was married. She knew she had a good husband, but she didn't have enough power not to go, this. she? Right? We need the spirit of God on the inside of us to give us that power.
0: And not only do we need the spirit to make good decisions, but the spirit to get things right.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: When we do get things wrong, to repent and to get things right. Because I'm not going to say you're going to do everything right. But when you do, the Holy Spirit gets your attention. It's time to repent and get things right. First of all, with God first, and then how, however, He leads you from that point on.
2: And you know, like we said, David, this whole TLC Bravo just a hot mess, express. But notice verse 27, because sometimes we can cover our tracks, or we think we do. But look at verse 27, and when her mourning was over, David sent and brought her to his house. Now he's going to act like he coming public with her. And she became his wife and bore him a son. But look at that latter part. But the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. God. And see, sometimes it look like we got the getaway. Right? It look like we done, we done escaped whatever it is. I'm going to go on with my life. She's going to go on with her life. We're going to go on with our life. But something just don't please the Lord. And when they don't please the Lord, you have a Nathan in your life. I want you to flip right on over very quickly to 2 Samuel 12, next uh, chapter over, and we're going to quickly look at verses 1 through 12. Then the Lord sent, David, sent Nathan to David, and he came to him and said to him, there were two men in one city, one rich and one poor. Pastor, you to tell us about two men?
0: The rich man had seen many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb, which he had brought and nourished. And it grew up together with him and with his children. It ate of his own food and drank from his own cup and lay in his bosom. And it was like a daughter to him. And a traveler came to the rich man who refused to take from his own flock and from his own herd to prepare one for the wayfaring man who had come to him. But he took the poor man's lamp and prepared it for the man who had come to him. So David's anger was greatly aroused against the man. And he said to Nathan, As the Lord lives, the man who has done this shall surely die. And and he shall restore fourfold for the lamb because he did this thing and because he had no pity.
2: Let me me be Nathan for a minute. Then Nathan said to David, You are the man. Thus said the Lord God of Israel, I anoint you king over Israel. And I deliver you from the hand of Saul. Don't, don't forget where God delivers from. I gave you masters, gave you your master's house and your master's wives into your keeping, and gave you the house of Israel and Judah. And if that had been, if that had been too little, I also would have given you much more. Why have you despised the commandment of the Lord to do this evil in his sight? You have killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword. You have taken his wife to be your wife and have killed him with the sword of the people of Ammon. Now, therefore, the sword shall never depart from your house because you have despised me and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. Pastor, will you finish at verse 11 and 12?
0: Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will raise up adversity against you from your own house. And I will take your wives before your eyes and give them to your neighbor. And he shall lie with your wives in the sight of this son. Let me say this to you. Everything that you read there happened. Everything that you read there happened. And one of the things I want to mention before I go into verse 12, because 12 to me is kind of the point there. You notice that even though David did not directly kill Uriah, that God held him responsible?
2: Mm. Mm. That's good.
0: Something to think about. It. Verse 12. For you did it secretly. Not only did they do it secretly. Think about the amount of time they had to go. For all this to go on. But, but this part here. But I will do this thing before, before all Israel. Before the sun. And in verse 13. David came to the breaking point. This is the point where he got his life back together. David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, the Lord also has put away your sin. You shall not die. Notice David came to himself. I have sinned. I have violated God's law. I have wandered away from God. I have. And sometimes you got to come to yourself and say, God, I missed it. I did wrong. I, I can't blame nobody else for what I did. God have mercy upon my soul
2: that's the breaking point that is the breaking point the breaking point that says i take responsibility for me and we all have things that we have to take responsibilities for some of those things that are uh, are things that we do openly and some things that we have in our heart some things we have in our heart we have envy we have jealousy we have strife we have manipulation. We have unforgiveness in our heart. Because we like to, to pinpoint out the public sin, but we don't want to deal with the eternal, the internal one. But those internal ones affect our actions. It affects our spirit. And sometimes we wonder, why is it that it seems like I can't move from another level? It seems like I'm not growing. It seems like I'm just staying at a certain point. Well, I got to ask God, what's in my heart? Yeah. Just like David, created me a clean and a pure heart. And renew a right spirit within me. It is our prayer that today's message stir at you, stir at your family. Because we want to be a tight-knit family going forth. We want our children to be blessed. We want our, our grandchildren to be blessed. We want our finances blessed. We want every part of our being blessed, right? Because how many you know when your child is in distress, it affects you? Sometimes it affects you financially, but I guarantee you, you're going to have some emotional stress connected to it. You're going to have some mental stress connected to it. something that's going to affect you. Mm-hmm. But we want to know that we are serving God collectively as a family.
0: Let me say this because I think this is important. Sometimes when you're hearing the word, you don't you don't wait till the service is over. While you're sitting in your seat and the spirit of God begins to convict you about something going on in your life personally, just start repenting right there. I have been sitting in chairs just like you are right now. Sometimes I've been ministering and saying to myself, Lord, that's me right there. Please have mercy upon my soul. I'm not going to wait to an altar call. I am repenting as soon as I hear what I'm doing wrong. Soon as I hear it, soon as the spirit of God said, hey, that's you right there. Well, how many times has bishop ministered to me? And I've been sitting there, Lord, I repent, God, I did that all wrong. I messed that up. Lord, have mercy on my soul. Let me, Lord, let me get that right right there. Oh, God, that is so, Lord, that's me right there. Listen, I'm not looking at anybody else. I'm looking at me and saying, Lord, have mercy upon my soul. Lord, listen, he just started 15 minutes in the message. I'm repenting. The Already. breaking point. That is my breaking point. Mm-hmm. That's my personal
1: breaking point. The breaking point. That's my personal breaking point. We pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's message. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your prayer requests and testimonies to our website at occvr.org. That's occvr.org. We would like to invite you to partner with us as we share the gospel all around the world. Just go to our website at OCCVR.org. Click on the Give button to give online. Or you can utilize Text2Give. Text GIVE to the number 770-692-2225. That's 770 770-692- 692 2225. Join us on our YouTube channel, subscribe to our podcast, and connect with us on social media. We also invite you to join us in a live service. We're located at 3097 South Van Wert Road in Villarica, Georgia. Visit our website for more details at occvr.org. Until next time, remember, without a vision, the people perish. See you next time for more Heaven Bound with Pastor Richard D. Dobbs of Overcomers Christian Center in Villarica, Georgia.